Hello and welcome to episode 45 of what we're listening to. Uh, starting to feel in the knees a little bit. Um, my name is Josh. I'm one of your hosts. And with me is my good friend and adventurer of the three-step cure for disco fever, Asher. How are you, sir? <laughs> disco fever. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of something witty on the spot about taking certain genres of music three times a day, but I can't think of it right now. <laughs> I think one of the one of the steps of the cure is get a haircut, you hippie, and then kind of move along from there. <laughs> yes, that's me. Yeah, <laughs> come to me with your your illnesses. All right, I have a small quiz for you, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, as this has been a month of anniversaries, <clears throat> one of them being the anniversary of the fifth. A Blur album, self-titled Blur, with contains the song Song 2 on it. I thought I would yep. quiz you about that infamous song. Um, oh, right. Okay. So I have a, I have a, a multiple-choice question for you. And my question is, um, why was this song written? Um, was it A, <laughs> Damon Albarn got a terrible haircut, so the band made a song about making fun of him, which stuck? B, the record label demanded a rockier lead single for their fifth album, so the band decided to write a song with no real name, meaningless lyrics, and shorter than it was allowed on radio at the time. Was it C, the band wanted to write a parody of popular grunge sounds in America at the time? Or was it D, the song doesn't really have a meaning, it was a practice jam that they recorded kind of by mistake and then recorded properly afterwards? <laughs> love how none of these options are like we took this seriously <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the band I mean, just to be honest you know what i know so little about blur i didn't even know that was their fifth album i thought mm. that that was an earlier on um uh i mean they're all pretty plausible um i know the first you know what to be honest i've always struggled to decipher those lyrics i've never really <laughs> looked them up you know, I know there's the head shaved line in there, but apart from that, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past them being asked to put a lead single on um, and, you know, so they just deliberately wrote something a bit meaningless. So which one was that? B? That was B. Was it? Ah, look, I'll go with that. I know very little about this. <laughs> well, I'll take that as a credit to my question writing because the answer is C, actually. Oh, uh, so- is that the... So Damon Albarn and the guitarist uh, hated grunge in America. And so they made this song and stuff. Yeah. To make fun of the sound, you know, and then it became their largest international hit by a large margin. (laughs) Like it's like it's played everywhere in America and nobody gets the joke. And it's, I think, so funny. (laughs) Are the lyrics actually uh, a parody too, or is it just the sound? I think I, I actually don't know the lyrics either. I think it's yeah. <laughs> I think it's parody like as well. Like you have some early Nirvana songs which are like like sliver about like going to your grandma's house and not wanting to go home and that kind of like it's kind of nonsense stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's song two I'm by. I'm just Blur. looking them up. Okay, woohoo, 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 <laughs> woohoo. I got a, my head checked. Oh, I thought that was my head shaved. Anyway, by a jumbo jet, it wasn't easy, but nothing is. When I feel heavy metal, woohoo, 
and I'm pins and I'm needles. Woohoo. Well, I lie and I'm easy all the time, but I'm never sure why I need you. Pleased to meet you. Yeah, it sounds pretty um nonsensey. That's sounds pretty nonsense. Yeah. That was um a hurdle uh, a month or so ago as well. And it's yes. like the first second of the song you hear is just like, okay, blur, song two. <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's so iconic and it's so not like any of their other music, which is also kind of funny. Well, you need to put that down because I have not really listened to much Blur. Um, I've listened to more Damon Albarn and Gorillaz than I have Blur, which is ironic. Yeah. Oh, maybe not. Um, anyway, uh, cool. Do you have any catch-up, sir? No, I don't have any catch-up. I just have a colossal amount of other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Do you have any catch-up? I have two small pieces, which are... Uh, again, anniversaries that are happening. Um, mm. Two albums are celebrating their like 20th anniversary that are favorites of mine. Mm-hmm. One of which being yeah. Control by Pedro the Lion. Um, okay. Which is one of my favorite, favorite albums. It's a, I, it's a depressing venture into like uh, a divorce, but um, it's such a brilliant and uh, crafted record. I love it to pieces. And then, of course, the second one, is yeah. uh, Wilco's Yankee for uh, Hotel Foxtrot, um, which is... How, how many unreleased <laughs> tracks are being released? It's having a bit of a boom with a special 82 unreleased track version, which is also available on vinyl, on 11 uh, vinyl discs. Um, they're also I mean, setting I gather up a- these are live because if that's... That's like seven albums worth of stuff or six albums worth of stuff. They're also having a pop-up shop where they are selling clothes, mm-hmm. cereal, and Candy. other foods. Yeah, I it's, I mean... I will eat your heart. <laughs> g- good on you, Wilco. This is a strange <laughs> celebration that I am happy to observe from a distance. <laughs> I just don't even know how I get through a hundred and something tracks now. <laughs> like, the, first, the initial album is tricky. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not too tricky, but yeah. Yeah, yeah you got mm. to be dedicated to get through 11 discs, 11 extra discs, I should say. Yeah. Things yeah. already too. Anyway, <laughs> that's all the ketchup I have. Happy anniversary. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll get to uh, reviews. Yeah, let's do this. Um, you may have uh, guessed with... Uh, my mentioning of this in previous episodes, but I am reviewing today Sunlux's soundtrack for the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, I don't really know where to start with this one. (laughs) Um, So Sunlux uh, revealed that they were doing the soundtrack to this film and I mentioned in a previous podcast that I'd accidentally seen the trailer and then kind of realised the two were connected and was like, okay, I'm quite interested in this. Um, I also went and saw the film last week um, and I will mention parts of that film. I'll try not to be too spoilery, but I can't assure you that there'll be no spoilers in it because I want to mention some of the songs and some of the different parts of it and some of those things are intertwined. But um, so you've been warned. Um, Okay, where do I start? Sunlux, I think, are a perfect fit for doing a soundtrack. Um, Mm. Last episode, I reviewed 
uh, Ian Chang's album and I listened to all of their different solo works and you've got Rafiq and Ryan also doing kind of soundtracky sort of art pieces. And if you have listened to any of tomorrow's one, two and three, you realize they're pretty good at doing vast instrumental kind of sections in amidst groove and they are very, very good at their sounds and production and tone color. And so I'm not, su- I'm surprised that this is the first time they've done a big film soundtrack, to be honest. <laughs> um, so at the very start, I think this soundtrack is outstanding. I have had it in my head for a long time uh, over the past few weeks of listening, like every day, particular parts have kind of come back to me. And the thing I didn't expect, but I should have, is that there are sections of Tomorrow's in this soundtrack that they've repurposed. Um, I imagine that I realized for the past two years, they have been writing a colossal amount of music. Yeah. So they released three albums and this album, which totals about (laughs) what, like, a hundred tracks or more. It's of a lot like, of music. <laughs> it's so much music. I mean, I'm, I imagine they've been working on this for a while because um, their previous album didn't uh, came out in 2018. So they've had about four or five years to do all this content. But still, I'm listening to this. And even though I say they've repurposed some of the songs, I mean like two. There's like a lot of new material on this soundtrack. Mm. And... Uh, the, the stuff that they've repurposed has not only been from Tomorrow's, but they took a song from uh, Bones, Your Day Will Come. And so I guess in my mind, I now have this really interesting picture of Tomorrow's where tracks like Unbind, which was one of my favourite instrument, instrumentals from Tomorrow's 3, is kind of like a really important theme that runs through all of the movie soundtrack as well. So um, big picture... A lot of these, uh, I was like, uh, where, what do I want to say? I think they did a very good job at being composers for this soundtrack. So they didn't just go, let's write some songs and then hopefully they'll work really well for the soundtrack. Um, they actually, you know, did all the typical sort of soundtracky things at different points. You've got these like big string glisses and then these low parts and, and they wrote a proper soundtrack. So at times it's not very unique for them. It's like, oh, this serves the purpose of the film really well. Um, and so some of the parts of the soundtrack, I'm like, okay, that's that's a fine piece. Mm. It's not amazingly interesting on its own. But they also managed to put in their own brand of sound on top of uh, the movie while serving the movie as well. And that's a tricky thing to do. Like every now and then you hear these groovy parts, like at the end of um, Chapstick, you hear these, you know, the kind of same falling rhythms that Ian does and uh, Rafiq does when he like, he drops his like guitar an octave and plays like bass lines and stuff. You can kind of hear that same feel. And then they've brought in, uh, you know, like I mentioned in the last uh, episode, these different um, Asian sound influences because... This movie is like the story of an immigrant family and so there's a lot of a chance, a lot of chance to kind of bring in these different cultural sounds and I think that's fantastic. Um, before I keep gushing or going on, <laughs> did you want to mention that? I've just been talking over the top of you for a few minutes. No, that's all right. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, a very interesting piece. It, <clears throat> like you said, it's not... Um, like, this isn't like a rock opera. Like, you know, this isn't like the Who do the soundtrack for Pinball Wizard. Like, it's not like mm. the songs are the center stage. It's actually much more of a um, traditional soundtrack work. Um, mm. But at the same time, I found it to be a little bit different where there's not a huge amount of, like, traditional thematics. Like, it's not like like John Williams writing Star Wars. Like, it's not... Yeah. You don't get those kind of big pieces over and over again. Rather, you get the sound and tone of the band yeah. over and over again. That's kind of the thing that connects it together. Yeah, the leitmotif of here's the character is not like necessarily melody. I mean, yeah. it is. So if you listen to Wang Family Portrait, you get the main theme, which will come in again and again and again. They also use Au Claire de la Lune um, quite a few times. Yeah. I mean, that's a very typical thing which has been done to death, but they do it in a way which is very Sun Lux. If you listen to some of them, they do the same crunchy prepared piano feel on some versions of that. And I thought that was very cleverly used. I, I but you're right, it's not... No, sorry. sorry. That, 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 uh, that piece... Um my life without you, which has the oh, the, yeah. the Claire de Lune grab in it in the first half, and then kind of transitions to something much different. I I quite enjoyed that as like a as a musical piece. Yeah, yeah, they cleverly used things that people know and and things that they don't to kind of make it sound familiar, but a little bit unique as well. And I mm. I thought that was very very good. I have I have favorited so many tracks on this album too. So I'm going to be posting a playlist, uh, my favorites, um, because I think that I can't quite sum it up in three tracks. <laughs> so I'll be posting that um, just in the show notes to this. So make sure you check that out. Um, but I will just, I'll just say a couple more things. There were moments where you could, at least I could as a Sunlux listener, go, oh, they have really put their stamp on this. There's a scene right at the beginning where the first title card comes up and it's like part one. Uh, no, it's very clever. There's a song. I'm going to spoil a little bit, but it's okay. Um, there's a song called What Are You Thinking About? And, you know, Evelyn has a lot on her mind with all these things that are going on. And she, you know, um, Wayman says, like, what, what are you thinking about? And then this title card comes up saying everything and Sunlux do their characteristic sort of punch you in the face with sound <laughs> with all of these different instruments, this kind of like sudden, you know, fortissimo just hits you. And in the cinema, I was like, okay, I'm really going to enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> and they just, so the directors, Daniels, really used Sunlux well. Um, they mentioned there's a double vinyl coming out of this. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but... All throughout this piece, I'll just mention a couple of my favorites. So Chapstick, I mentioned the really end of that was cool. Then there's the I Love You Kung Fu, which was fantastic. Had this female vocalist come in and um, then these like multi-part sort of very tomorrow's feel. Like they didn't modify their sound too much for that and it worked perfectly. My Life Without You is gorgeous, as you said. Um, Everything Bagel is when it uses the Unbind theme um, and... Then you've got Plug Fight and Pinky Fight, which are pretty cool. Ian shows off all of his chops there. Um, Evelyn Everywhere 
and Evelyn all at once, I've sent to you and you're like, yeah, there's a bit of chaos there at the end. Mm. Um, and this is a, a lot to do with the multiverse stuff and in the movie there's a lot of rapid images and things like that and Sunlocks really pull off this chaotic mishmash of different um, image styles and art styles. And so for a very genreless band, they were a perfect fit for this sort of thing because they can manage to switch tone colours and sounds very, very quickly. So um, in another life, it all just goes away. Come recover and your day will come. So there's a climax in the film, the empathy fight, as it's called, and they use two of their old tracks. So Come Recover from Tomorrow's and Your Day Will Come from Bones. And both of these are obviously without lyrics, maybe not, but um, they're very, very beautiful arrangements um, that I found incredibly moving to be used at these different points in the film. Um, And they were just a really good fit. Like they've written... 40 other tracks and so then they decided okay these two would really fit at this climax here and i just thought it was a cool idea mm. um i've actually also had the kind of songs in my head um so this is a life uh which was the mitski david byrne collaboration from a few weeks back that i mentioned i've actually really enjoyed that song um yeah which you kicking all that? What, what about the other one? Who's the other? Who's the other feature? Oh, Randy <laughs> Newman. Randy. I'm not going to give a- Newman. <laughs> Randy Newman. Now I'm not going to give away too much about this, but there is a reference to Ratatouille in this cinema at uh, this movie, um, and I my suspect. Uh, I can't speak. My <laughs> suspicion is that there's a reference to Pixar films, um, and so. I, th- my suspicion is that he was included because of this reference to Pixar films, even though he didn't do the Ratatouille soundtrack, he did yeah. Toy Story. It's a beautiful <laughs> song. It's like, yeah, it's just a surprising. I, I love, you know, we love Randy Newman, but it's, oh, a, yeah. it's I was like, things I expect to be on the soundtrack, Sunlux featuring Randy Newman, not yeah. high on my list. <laughs> it's a, I mean, I'm not sure how much Sunlux did on this because it just sounds like a Randy Newman song. Um, anyway, he's a voice in the film too, Randy Newman. So yeah, oh. when, if you get to see it, I hope you enjoy that section. <laughs> People who've already seen it will know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, I mean, all in all, I think I, I was destined to like this soundtrack, like, because I love Sunlux's work. I really like film soundtracks and and game soundtracks and mm. I think this is just a brilliant piece of work. And I the plus was I really enjoyed the film too. It it was different enough to kind of like interest me and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it a few more times but I've had these scenes running through my head because of the strong connection of the music and the visuals. So yeah, yeah. well the, done to all involved. The directors are a, um odd pair. Yeah, interesting pair. I haven't seen Susami Man, but I've I know it looks interesting. <laughs> well, they also directed the uh, the music video for um, Turn Down for What? Turn Down for What? Yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. uh, strange, interesting yeah. guys. Yeah, I didn't pick that up at the first because I didn't know who they were, and then I'm like, oh, I have seen parts of that, and that was freaking weird. <laughs> so um, they've also done a battles. Um, uh, video clip. Did you know that? Oh, really? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So 
they're, they seem to be a very creative duo. And I mean, they just did a great job of casting with this too, with Jamie Lee Curtis and now who I know, you know, Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> and um, I can't pronounce his name very well, but the guy who is um, Michelle Yeoh's husband in the film was in, in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as a young kid. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a really interesting cast. It's uh, I think they just did a very good job. And, um, yeah, I, I like when people are making films that are quite unique. So, yeah, they the thing that I've admired about the film is that they, they have kind of a joke, but they take it to the nth degree that requires a lot of work. And it was very clever. So. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, did you like that monologue? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Rory. Sorry. I do not mind. Do you want to tell us what you've been listening to? Yes. um, I'm going to sneak in a twofer because Mm -hmm. there's been so many things released in the last couple of weeks. Mine's Um, worth two. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So first... Um, I was going to talk about uh, the latest record by a rapper, Denzel Curry. Um, mm-hmm. We've mentioned him once or twice for his uh, work with uh, Kenny Beats and the like Unlocked uh, EP that he did together. Um, but Denzel is one of my favorite rappers currently working in the biz. Um, and uh, he had a his last album that I listened to is called Taboo and lots of like bangers, but he's kind of carved a a niche for himself where he has a really aggressive style um kind of old school in a couple ways um but uh this new record i think is a big step in a uh forward creative direction for him as a rapper um Mm. so uh this is I think it's called Melt My Eyes, uh, See Your Future, See My Future, something like that. Um, it's a it's a not too long record uh, with a, a a dynamite list of features, and um, it's very uh, introspective. Um, it's a lot of rapping about how uh, he is as a person changing or trying to change, rather than you know, um, fire my gun, take my drugs, bang, bang kind of thing. Um, mm. which I, which I find very interesting because, um, it's, it's very counter cultural to what a lot of the rap scene is doing at the moment, which is, you know, not being introspective. Um, mm. yeah. So I think this project really marks Denzel trying to expand in a lot of ways. Um, and the, I think that leads to an album which isn't really um, sonically very contiguous. Like, there's, there's nothing that ties all of these songs together. Um, but maybe they, the drums. They still they still work. Yeah, like the drums mm. and obviously his work on each track um, is stand out and like ties things together. Um, but you could like pick and move these songs around on the album like wouldn't change that much i don't think but it's not necessarily a bad mm-hmm. thing um yeah so i i i really enjoy it this is probably going to be one of my top five for the year um mm. i think uh performance wise and production wise it's just outstanding yeah i love it i'm i'm yeah. curious as to what you thought about it. i gave you a couple tracks to go through um since i did double duty this this uh this episode <laughs> 
It's good. I I I really enjoyed um, the production on these. Yeah, I I thought the drums, like I just mentioned, were incredible. I was just really digging those samples, or just at least the the kind of way that they produce the different kind of parts. His rapping is great. Mm. Um, I'm, as you know, I'm not a big rap listener. <laughs> is it flow when they're really rhythmic and in time and just kind of yeah. nailing it? Is that flow? Yeah. I thought that was really, really good. And I enjoyed all the tracks that you sent me. You sent me a little best of. And I I think I listened to a bit of the full album as well. But um yeah, you're right about the lyrics. It was all very, very kind of existential sometimes or just kind of wondering about life and mm. um, they were all quite different too. I thought that was neat. Like it wasn't too repetitive. It wasn't too samey um, and the, the features sounded interesting, um, like different people joining him for different tracks. Uh, to be honest, I don't know his own voice so much, so sometimes I probably mixed up the features with him <laughs> and trying to get a handle on who's what. Um, but, yeah, it was really neat and I enjoyed all the tracks that you sent me. I, f- I feel like um, I feel like maybe I have an, a wrong view of rap in that, like, I kind of expect the lyrics to be really thoughtful, um, you know, with all the stuff that you've shown me and that I might come across it all kind of falls into that introspection camp rather than other stuff so i mean um, i mean like yeah. i'm not a big wu-tang clan fan so like i don't really know <laughs> typical stuff that's out there you know we could change that um sure yeah Wu-Tang are great i you can just buy me that album that uh, they only made one copy of i'd like that one <laughs> sure um <laughs> let me just get off, off the hands of like the american government who currently owns it sure yeah yeah um I, I mean, I think as far as rappers go, I, I obviously enjoy more introspective, creative ones. Um, and there are other uh, big names out there who would fit under that umbrella, like, you know, Kendrick Lamar and that kind of people. Um, yeah. I think Even Kanye's like that a bit in yeah. my mind. Um, I think when it comes to creative uh, influences and musically, uh, uh, Denzel has a lot of um, background that I enjoy, like like the kind of the more... Um, on the front half of the album, like the earlier jazzy or trip hop elements, which are like early nineties, um, yeah. you know, Della Soul or Tribe Called Quest. He mentions that in the lyrics. He's like, this yeah. ain't hip hop. This is, this is bebop kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, interesting. Um, so I think, I think as, as you kind of go to the back half of this record, the influences kind of expand a little bit and you get like early 2000s, you get a T-Pain feature, which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then by the end of the record, you're getting more modern people um, uh, features on it, which is, I think, interesting. An interesting way to go about it. Like, you can kind of feel the evolution a little bit of hip hop if you know your stuff as you go through this record. Um, anyway, I highly recommend this album to people who are rap fans and non-rap fans alike. I think it's a great, kind of uh warm-up record if you've never dipped your toe because it's you can see the creativity through and through a lot of it i think yeah definitely um yeah oh, very cool denzel he's great yeah. and he's he's really funny uh he, i don't know him him and him and kenny beats are always yapping at each other on twitter and it's always entertaining to watch um because <laughs> they're so different you know kenny's like a yeah seven foot white guy and Denzel's not that tall and you know from the hood anyway um okay um, 
Sorry. Is this the reason you've been getting into funky drummer from um the, <laughs> from uh, James Brown? Or uh, is that uh, just a separate thing? I mean, not particularly. It was Clive Stubberfield's birthday like a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, yeah. And so the clips of him were going around and I was like, man, this guy's just so good. Um, yeah. It just reminded me a bit of that, like the really strong in the mix drums and that sort of thing. Great, yeah. Great feel. There's um, Funky Drummer is probably one of the most important like hip hop samples. It's probably that and um, yeah, uh, Impeach the President is probably the other one. There's like two like really famous like sample beats and those are like the kings. Um, okay. Impeach the president. So second, I don't know that one, but <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put it I'll put it on for you. Um, Thanks. All right. So secondly, uh, I have been listening to the latest in a completely change of genre, the latest Father John Misty record, um, mm. Chloe in the next twentieth century. Um, so you have to forgive me for indulging in um, my extremism habits. Um, to- totally fine. Yeah. This this is a strange parent. Like, you know, steak and milk. It's not exactly, they don't exactly go together. Um, Food analogies. Yeah. So the so this latest record from Father John Misty is, I find, quite interesting. Um, it's been a little bit polarizing from what I can read about it. Um, some people think it's terrible. And some people think it's really interesting. And I follow in the second camp, um, I think. So... Um, He's been on a bit of a journey over the last couple of records. His last one was um, quite intense. Uh, I, I found it quite a lot to digest because it's mostly about um, him having a like a series of panic attacks in a hotel and thinking he's going to die. Like it's kind of it's a really it's a really hmm. intense record. Um, That's and then God's he, favorite customer. Yeah, and then he didn't really make anything for a little while, um, and then he started releasing some smaller singles. Um, on Bandcamp and some covers, um, which I think kind of put him in step for this record, which is um, uh, less folk music, more inspired by like famous Hollywood soundtracks, um, mm. crooners like, you know, Bobby Darren and Frank Sinatra. Um, and I think uh, Leonard Cohen a lot too. Um, where you have these uh, dense, lyrical, not-too-complicated musical pieces um, that fill most of this record. Um, And alongside that is uh, a loss of um, a lot of the acerbic wit that I would normally associate with the Father John Misty record. Um, this This is a record mostly about love songs. Um, like silly, um, you know, romantic, uh, and it's so different. Um, yeah, w- w- one of the comments I read was this, this could be the most, um, clever satire we've ever, we've ever witnessed because of the last like two years the world has had, of course, he releases an album like this, which is so counter to how everyone is feeling about like, hmm. let's go back to classic Hollywood and write love songs about each other. Um, Cause it's just so different to what people are experiencing at the moment. Um, yeah. It's almost positively cheerful. And so 
I don't know. It's just different. I find it fascinating. (laughs) Well, interestingly, I don't know, maybe because I've given it a full listen, but not a close listen. Yeah. Um, And to me, it felt a bit sad. It's about, I thought this is a concept album about a showgirl who's kind of falling out of popularity. Mm. Am I wrong? Or I kind of heard this sadness about like, you know, she's kind of not the flavour of the month anymore. She's not kind of popular and and what's the next thing for her? I don't know. Mm. Am I reading this wrong? No, no. I, I, I do not claim to have a masterful grasp on what the album's <clears throat> about. Yeah, I need I need to... There was, it was so dense lyrically, like mm. it's dense musically and it's dense lyri- uh, lyrically. And the songs like Q4 are like brilliant, right? They've got this very interesting thing like it was the perfect thing for quarter four of the year, like all these different events, like it'll be on the front page of the magazine before the holidays kind of. Yeah. Um And I thought that that was, you know, celebrating all these, you know, these juicy bits of news about this person. But I might have just, Mm. you know, read it a little bit wrong. But like Funny Girl and that sort of thing. I sometimes feel like he was teasing this whole concept, this, you know, vaudeville person yeah. it, like it felt yeah it felt like a musical set in the 20s kind of it's, thing it's hard to tell um it's really hard to tell maybe that's why there's that satire comment because i feel like i'm more in the, the satire camp like none of this is serious and he's making fun of it yeah. um because sometimes the tone shifts are crazy like the last track the next 20th century with the guitar that comes in. Like I feel like these are, he's breaking the the mold of this sound and going actually, you know, this is all kind of not to be taken seriously at all, me crooning. But I, I need to do more of a deep listen, but I did find it very interesting. I yeah. mean, I'm agreeing with you. I think it's a very interesting record. Yeah, it, it it made me wish that I knew more about Leonard Cohen, which is I find funny. I um, <laughs> yeah, you sent me a text about that. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna start one of these days. It sure. Um, there's there's a a whole footage of him playing this as a concert with like a full orchestra behind him. Mm. Um, yeah. and so I think he's kind of leaning into it a little bit, which makes me wonder about the satirical nature of it. Uh. Uh, either way, it's uh, quite a ref- quite a refreshing veer in musical direction, because um, I I feel like if he'd written another album about this character of Father John Misty having like a manic, depressive um, experience in modern culture, it it's kind of he's already done that a number of times already, and so this is a this is him kind of stepping out into something different, which I find fascinating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Props for being kind of an interesting concept album because yeah, I love you. Honey bear was that really kind of dark side of him or yeah. his, the, the kind of persona that he's putting on, but this is much more of him standing to the side and observing someone, which is interesting. Yeah. It's kind Even of like their um, story is a bit sad too. 
It's kind of like a musical version of like the original Twin Peaks TV show where you get these kind of like hyper romanticized like 80s television moments amongst like this weird um, murder mystery kind of uh, otherworldliness. It's like this kind of that's where the hmm. this kind of taste sits for me at least. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I've not seen it, but I, I kind of get what you mean. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed okay. it. I thought it was yeah. a good listen. Thank you. Mm. Strange palate cleanser. All right, homework time. Last yeah. episode, we spun the spinner and we came up with a random Bandcamp album. And so we found each other some things. Some things. At, yeah, they're small and they're interesting. We'll see how much we time we put in discussing <laughs> these. Mine, yeah. mine wasn't amazing. I, I don't have a ton of okay. about either, to be honest with you. Okay. Well, do you want to start with mine and then we'll do yours? And- sure. Um, I found Asher um, <laughs> a soundtrack for a game that, as far as I can tell, does not exist. No, um, it doesn't. I looked everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's called The Best Burger uh, Official Soundtrack. Um <laughs> And it's a uh, heavily uh, influenced uh, J-pop chiptune uh, mm. affair. Um, With if a you rock can, track at the end. Yeah, if you can picture in your mind like a little bit like the uh, Scott Pilgrim game soundtrack by Anna Managuchi, but not quite to that level. Um, but uh, this is what I found. Asher, what do you think of the best burger soundtrack? <laughs> Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> it wasn't amazing. It, um, but, yeah, you're right. It has those elements of being really upbeat. Like um, I, I think I talked about it or I didn't. I don't know if I did. There was There's an artist I like called Chipsel and she does a lot of chip tune stuff um, and she released an album um, for the game Dicey Dungeons and I do enjoy that really upbeat chip tune JRPG sort of mm. or Jap- yeah, Japanese sounding stuff. Um, this was okay. There was, a, it was, it sounded, felt a little bit cheesy at points. Like it didn't quite do it in a unique way. Um, yeah. but they were kind of fun and groovy and I enjoyed listening to them, but then it ends with like this big burger boss battle. <laughs> yeah. The best, best burger, big boss battle, BBBB, um, which was a complete tone shift. And, um, the, the lyrics are like so funny you know like bacon lettuce meat and cheese give me them now don't make me displeased <laughs> hurry my order or i'll pummel your skull make a mistake and you'll get more than an earful those two don't write but that's okay it was just such a tone shift and i was like i do actually want to play this game so i can get things in context but as far as i could tell from the devs twitter it just died so sad yeah um but this artist this artist, Nathan Cleary, seems pretty cool. Um, works, yeah, works in Japan, is making a lot of things. Oh, yeah, some stuff recently, not so much stuff uh, in the past two years. But, yeah, I, I like it when people are doing a good job with soundtracks. It's well produced. Um, yeah, just not, like, amazing in my books. Did you yeah. have anything to say about it? I mean, it's it's hard to to grasp what this is supposed to be without having any of the, uh, the game yeah. context behind it. I mean, some of the songs are kind of fun, you know, um, like Shovel Knight level of like open world, I'm assuming kind of nonsense. It's great. 
Yeah, yeah, it was cool. So thanks for had, randomly finding this. It had character. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, it did. It did. Yeah. So I found Josh um, a little beat tape by an artist, AJMW, and the beat tape is called Back Then EP. And I just thought it'd be a nice little chill hop thing for Josh to enjoy, you know. Mm. Everything's written in lowercase uh, with periods or the start or the end. <laughs> what did you think of Back Then EP? Yes, this is a, a apparently a compilation of uh, of beats that he's made. Just to kind of like put them in one place. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I listened to uh, lo-fi beats on their own. Um, it's... Uh, it's relaxing, but not super engaging musically. It comes to like a lot of this music. Um, mm. It's hard to uh, be a standout, I think, in this genre without doing something like wild or um, expanding on it somehow. Um, this is probably mm. why I like somebody like Mujibes so much more, where yeah. he has this kind of filter or um bass layer but he doesn't just kind of leave it there like so many um modern lo-fi artists like to do um Mm. so yeah i mean i went through it a number of times it's it's nice it's relaxing it's chill for sure um Mm. it's great reading music um but it's not like i don't know i can't it's not exactly something i could dig my teeth into uh in terms of compositionally. Um. Chill Hop has this unfortunate place that it sits in that it needs to be backgroundy for what it's, per- well, its purpose is a very modern thing to think of. Mm-hmm. Um, I use it when I'm working because it's, yeah, it's nice to listen to, but it doesn't grab my attention too much while I'm doing other things. But there to then go, oh, is this a standout or not? means that it kind of defeats its purpose of being yeah, for background sure. music. <laughs> yeah. And this ticks all those boxes. I mean, it's, it's nice. Um, yeah. But again, I wouldn't like, it's not going to be on a top 10 record anytime soon. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This, this um, person, AJMW looks like they've got some stuff on some channels that I usually listen to like chill hop and lo-fi girl and stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't remember his, work particularly well so <laughs> it did its job <laughs> so yeah anyway i think we'll track a track a few tracks of both these albums on the playlist if, if they're on spotify on <laughs> spotify yeah uh, i don't know if this best burger soundtrack is going to be on spotify <laughs> <laughs> all right honorable mentions first uh, honorable mention is the uh, latest album from Pup, um, punk rock mm-hmm. band out of Canada. Um, the unraveling of Pup the band. Um, I was going to review this. Um, it didn't grab me enough, I don't think. Maybe in like a hotter month, it might have. Um, which is generally when I listen to more aggressive music. Um, uh, there still are some uh, fantastic songs on here. I think the album's just a bit too long or um it slumps a bit in the in the midsection. Um so I uh some high quality bangers 
uh, on the mm-hmm. on the ends. Uh, but it just needs a bit of work, I think. And as always, mm. the drummer for this band is doing overtime. My goodness. Um, I need to find what track it is, but he's doing like multiple uh, time signature switches in rhythm. And it's really hard to do. And he's doing it um, completely seamlessly. Yeah, I think easily the most hard most hard worker out of the band is the drummer i think he does a mm. fantastic job keeping that band alive um uh then second <clears throat> uh is an album from a uh a musician called patrick dexter um he released an album called solace which is his first record and it is mm. a series of cello pieces um covering traditional mm. irish songs um, mm, nice. um this is like the most uh idealistic kind of cottage core thing you can ever imagine it's recorded cottage in his core? yeah it's like uh <laughs> it's like recorded in his front garden there are like bird sounds around him oh, um, right, right yeah and it's just him playing the cello sometimes with a violin accompaniment um doing mm. pieces of traditional irish music and I don't know. It's so romanticized and it's relaxing and wonderful. And I love it to pieces. Um, Sounds nice. Yeah. He plays cello really well. Um, and then lastly, <clears throat> so uh, the, the band we talked about before current joys, um, mm-hmm. the lead singer, Nick Radigan has another band um, called the surf curse uh, who are more, um upbeat dancey um where he plays the drums and sings and there are other musicians around him um Mm. and they've released their first new song in maybe two three years um which i've been listening to pretty much nonstop. it's really uh catchy it surprised me the first time i listened to it and then i kept coming back to it i was like yeah i'm actually really excited for them to release another album um because their last one was 2017 2018 which is still good but right it's been a little while um so the surf curse surf curse cool that's that's all i have what about your honorable mentions sir um yeah yeah i'll just start with a couple of small ones and then there are a couple of longer ones um <laughs> so just off the back of denzel curry um chance the rapper had a new track out oh, um right. which i really enjoyed and I think I've mentioned before that I've really enjoyed his latest singles. Um, what's it called? Um, <clears throat> one of them's not on Spotify. So Child of God he just released, mm. um, which I thought was really good. And it was kind of related to The Heart and the Tongue, which he released uh, a few years ago, maybe, was it? I can't remember. <laughs> but he seems to be... Sorry. <laughs> he seems to be chucking out just these one songs and I would really like something longer with this same sound and style and lyrics. So anyway, um, I'll chuck that on the playlist, but I really enjoyed that. So, yeah. Um, secondly, a random thing I discovered, you we know Simon Stalin Hag, who mm. um, I appreciate the art and music of. Turns out he's a very multi-talented dude. Um, he has this other project called Satuna Sound Team and it's kind of like um speaking of game soundtracks it feels like a Sonic the Hedgehog release of okay. like 
yeah, really kind of funky chip tuney game sort of sound. So I'll if I can find stuff on um, um, Spotify, I'll put that on. Otherwise, that'll be in the show notes. Um, he's obviously done the artwork for the album. It's kind of like very much early thousands sort of look. It looks like a uh, like a hottest one, uh, like a, tr- a compilation, like so fresh sort of thing, uh, but with dinosaurs on it. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so you get the idea. Have a listen to that. That's pretty wild. <laughs> Um, thirdly, I'm very excited to announce that Half-Handed Cloud has something new coming. Um, he hasn't announced it yet. He's just said he's getting ready to announce something. So, um, uh, just, just placeholder right here. Get ready guys. (laughs) Um, but you can follow on his social media, a bunch of posts he's doing, uh, about kind of the back history of Half-Handed Cloud, um, because, Half in a Cloud has been on Asthmatic Kitty for so long. Um, uh, Asthmatic Kitty have kind of uh, been reintroducing and saying, you know, giving a bit of context for this uh, new thing that's going to be announced. So there's a lot of like um, things from the early days and and like collaborations and people that Half in a Cloud has worked with, like Danielson and then Sufjan and then Jayagnish and all these other people. So... It's really interesting to follow if you want to check it out on social media. Um, and then my two bigger ones, uh, I forgot to talk about Darren Hanlon the other week. Mm. Um, so I was going to review this and then got caught up in Sunluck stuff. Mm. Um, but Darren Hanlon released a new LP and he is Australian singer-songwriter who I've mentioned before. And this album, Life Tax, is pretty delightful. Um, it's a really lovely kind of, you know, humble stories about his life slash kind of biographical or autobi no biographical stories about other people or events. Um, two standouts that I'll put on the playlist. Um, there's Uncle Viv and Auntie Phyllis, mm. which is a ten minute song. It's like a, you know, ten verses kind of story about his uncle and auntie. Um, and it's very moving. Interestingly, kind of coming out around the same time as the Gang of Youth story, it it looks at remembering people in a fond way but does it in a more comedic fashion. And I really liked this. I thought it was a beautiful um, story. And it it's just great when, you know, the kind of Bob Dylan-esque hurricane very very long stories with multiple multiple verses but they don't seem to get old and repetitive um and it's the lyric and the story which draws you in um and then there's another 10 minute song on this album called freight train from kyogle which is a story about darren hitching a ride on a freight train um, from up north all the way down to sydney and it's very funny (laughs) it's just he just does a good job of weaving these yarns that, uh, you know, feel like they're probably half fiction but also believable. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they're very, very good songs on this album. I gather you haven't heard any of it. Uh, I listened to a fair portion of it. It's very cute. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't take himself too seriously. Um, having Like saying that this is the bio on Bandcamp of how he introduces himself. When asked to describe an intimate Darren Hanlon live show he'd just seen in a chateau loft, 
This seven-year-old French kid who didn't understand any of the lyrics suggested it should be called camping music. <laughs> That's his bio on Bandcamp. So there you go. Self-effacing. And um, I have one more. Um, so I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned, probably have, um, John Van Dusen has a new album coming out. So John Van Dusen, Dusen sorry, is a Christian singer-songwriter guy from the States um, and he's releasing the fourth and final album in his I Am Origami series. Um, these have been spaced out over the course of, let's see, part one was released in 2017 um, and so he's gradually released these uh, over the process of five years or so. Um, and I've really liked the sound of these that they, as they've gone on, particularly part three, I enjoyed a lot. And now part four is coming out. Um, it's unabashedly pop rock. So it kind of sounds like it belongs in the mid thousands sort of feel. Um, but the lyrics are not pop rock. They're kind of a lot more thoughtful and introspective than that. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Um, the, the crazy man has put it on Bandcamp for a dollar or more. So, you know, go and support him and show him some love for kind of the work he puts in. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming out. So yeah, that's me. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 45 of what we're listening to. Um, just, I mentioned it halfway through the show, but please check out the show notes below. We um, put a lot of good stuff in there. We've got the playlist for the, you know, for listening on Spotify. And then we have all the links to all the different artists that we talk about in their albums and any other thing that we can think about, we chuck in there. So if you're looking for more stuff to listen to or watch, hopefully you'll find it here. Um, Check us out on socials, you know, and all the places you get your podcasts. Please rate and review us uh, anywhere you can. It's really, really helpful. And share us around on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook and whatever. Um, yeah, we just love sharing music. And um, and thank you for people who send stuff in. I still got two things I need to listen to. Um, poultry, I'm getting there, so don't worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> and But we appreciate that and we, we love the conversation. So we look forward to seeing you next time. See you later, Josh. See you, mate. Bye.